0: Church of Christ. Uh, The church was planted in 1989 uh, with about 50 people. Now uh, we have uh, about, uh, almost about 6,000 members in the Los Angeles church, all throughout Los Angeles, from Las Vegas, if you count that as Los Angeles, to Palm Springs, if you count that as Los Angeles, but all the way through, and and, uh, and God has done tremendous things uh, uh, all throughout the history of our church, some great ups and some downs as well. We're a wonderful family. God has has uh, chosen here in Los Angeles to be able to be a light uh, to the city. And so we're going to be celebrating that on uh, Saturday, September 7th. It's going to be a gathering. And I know some of the uh, other regions are also going to be having celebrations on Sunday morning during the Sunday morning service. But this is a gathering together at the Anaheim Convention Center. If you can imagine gathering a group so large, over 6,000 people, it's very, very difficult and it it, it is not the, the, the cheapest thing to do. And so uh, to be able to make this happen, we're all going uh, to be registering to be part of this event. Uh, and uh, part of the registration, right now the registration is only $10. And uh, I guess that the, the, uh, the uh, early registrations have been extended to next Sunday, uh, June 9th. So uh, we got a little bit more time. Uh, and, uh, but one of the things that have been set forth is that the region that uh, signs up Fifty uh, percent of their members uh, membership number first uh, out of everybody else is going to get a uh, preferred seating section right in the very front so they 're going to be have a cordon off area you know you don 't have to rush to your seat kind of like now when you go to the movies you get to choose your seat you know you don 't have to rush in there we 're going to have our own area our own section, so I kind of want to give you guys an update of where we are on registrations and where the rest of the church is, so you guys can know where things are at okay. So, uh, I'll just mention some of them. Uh, the Lighthouse is at 35 registrations right now. Um, and uh, the Coastal, uh, one of the big regions here in Los Angeles, is at 68 registrations. Uh, metro region actually jumped up this last week to 93 registrations. Uh, the, north, uh, the North region is at 130 registrations. Uh, and Lifeway right now, we're at 202 registrations. So... So what that means is we are, we're about 100 and so away. So all I'm saying is it's 10 bucks. Now, 12 and under is free. Just, you know, sign up. Go to the, the website up here. Just sign up, register, and we're going to have preferred seating, and it's going to be awesome. All right? So uh, just to remind you about that. We are excited about our theme for the year, uh, Go Make Disciples. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's great to see so many people. I don't think this is working here. There we go. I well, no, it's not. Yeah, we'll, we'll just let... Yeah, let's go to the next slide. But to see so many people uh, 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 being baptized and added to our church here recently. Uh, there were six people added in the month of May, which is really exciting. A couple of them the last week. So we want to welcome all those uh, here to our family. Amen. If we go to the next slide. Also, uh, we're, we're excited about our, our uh, annual missions contribution. Right now, we've given almost 180000 to missions. And I know we're still a little bit away from our goal, but we're giving all the way through the end of June. And to make that happen, we're going to be having a fundraiser at a regional service they're going to be having at Gabrielino High School. That's going to be on Sunday, June 23rd. And the idea is that each family group uh, would be able to collect, uh, they'd have a 30-bag challenge, 30 bags of things to donate to Goodwill. And the idea is that each family group, and if you have a larger family group, you know, then do more than that. Uh, but that we, we would fill bins, and uh, each fill that, each bin that we fill is going to be a donation to missions uh, from the Lifeway Church. So our goal right now is for that donation to come in at about $5,000 just from us donating our stuff uh, to be able to send to missions. Imagine what, what difference that makes in missions around the world. Uh, but we could even do more than that. So I just want to encourage you to be ready, get your stuff ready, start, you know, talking to your neighbors, get stuff from them, bring it on that Sunday morning, There's going to be attendants helping you to kind of make sure you drop it off, and we're going to have a wonderful regional service there in Gabrielino together, amen? Amen. Well, today uh, we're going to be talking about desiring the kingdom, desiring the kingdom, and I want us to, all of us to turn over to Matthew chapter 13 and verse 44, Matthew 13 and verse 44. The Bible reads, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. If you go to the next slide. You know, here in Matthew chapter 13... Uh, Matthew is, is relating sayings and, and uh, parables where Jesus is talking about the kingdom. He's talking about the kingdom of heaven. And uh, if you think about what, 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 it, what is a parable, parable was a story, an allegory, an example that was meant to teach a larger truth. And so throughout this passage and even later on in Matthew, we see many passages where it says the kingdom of heaven is like this. In other words, you know, the kingdom of heaven is something so different than what you've experienced, so different than the reality that you've lived, that I've got to use examples. I've got to make sure I bring in examples for you to kind of fit your, your head around this concept of, of what the kingdom of heaven is all about. And so he, he uh, uh, in Matthew 13, describes the kingdom of God or, or, or explains it as uh, like a farmer sowing seeds. Or like a man that sows seeds and an enemy comes and sows weeds. Uh, Or like a mustard seed. Or like yeast mixed into 60 pounds of flour. Or like a fisherman's net that's let down into a lake. Or like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. That's in in, uh, chapter 18, verse 23. Or like a landowner hiring laborers. The kingdom of uh, of God is like this. Or like the kingdom of heaven is like this. Or, like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. And so, we see this, you know, this explanations here using parables of Jesus talking about the kingdom of heaven. And if we go to the next slide. So, when we talk about the kingdom of heaven, when Matthew's talking about the kingdom of heaven, he's talking about the kingdom of God. And many of, many of us are much more familiar with that terminology, right? The kingdom of God. But uh, Matthew here is using the word or uh, a different terminology, which is the kingdom of heaven, but they're really synonymous. It's the same thing. Matthew was writing to a Jewish believers, to a Jewish audience. They had an intense respect for the name of God. And so it meant much, it's, uh, it was, it meant, meant much more uh, to say to them the kingdom of heaven than the kingdom of God. It was something that was much more meaningful to them. But it's the same thing when we're talking about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, or the kingdom of Christ. You know, studying the Bible uh, to become a Christian... Uh, one of my favorite studies uh, was a study about the kingdom of God. That was probably my favorite study. But as I've learned, and as I've grown, as I've studied the Bible, uh, you know, and, and, and deepened the scriptures, I've learned that really a lot of it, I was really off. I was wrong in understanding what the kingdom of God is all about. Let's look at a scripture here in, Matthew, in Mark chapter 10 and verse 23. Mark chapter 10 and verse 23. And really it's just kind of our our traditional background and understanding what the kingdom of God is. Uh, Our traditional background, even going back uh, to our roots, is the kingdom of God is, is equal to the church, or the kingdom of God is something that started or began at Pentecost. But as we read the scriptures, we understand the kingdom of God is much more than that. In Mark chapter 10 and verse 23. You know, Jesus is talking to disciples, and we have an example there of the rich uh, young ruler, but he goes on to say in, in verse 23, Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied this later on in the passage, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much. In this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. You see, when God talks about this, this kingdom, this reign that's coming in, he's talking about something that's here, but it's not yet fully revealed. In other words, here it's come, the kingdom of God is present, but it's not going to be fully revealed until new creation comes. Until the second coming of Jesus, until the resurrection happens for all of us. Amen? When there's new creation, a new heaven, and a new earth. So when we talk about the kingdom of God, it's something that's here, but something that it's coming. Something that's still to come and to be fully revealed. In Luke chapter 10, verse 8 and 9, of course, we know this story. Uh, We've read it a number of times, talking about the sending out of the 70 or sending out of the 72. Uh, and one of the things that it says there as, as Jesus sends out the 70 or the 72 and sends them out in mission, he, he tells them the following thing in Luke chapter 10, verse 8 and 9. It says, whenever you enter a town and its people, uh, and its people welcome you, eat what is set before you. Cure the sick who are there, and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. So what what he's saying is that as you go out and do mission, as you go out and heal the sick, as you go out and proclaim the gospel, then one thing you're supposed to do is say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. So when we're talking about near, we're not talking about time. We're not talking about close at hand. We're talking about closeness, nearness, close to you. And so what he's saying is, you got to tell them that the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is close to you. It's around you, it's right next to you. You gotta pay attention. Because it's here. Now it's not fully revealed, but it's here, it's around you. We see in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 17, the next uh, next slide, it says Jesus, when he begins to preach, and he says, From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, which means to change, to turn your life around, like Noah was talking about this morning, right? Says, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. He's not talking about time. He's not talking about you know it's it's really close at hand or just in a couple of days or just in a couple of weeks or or, or or a little bit after the resurrection. He's not talking about. It. He's saying it, it, it's it's come near. It's close at hand. It's close to you. It's near you. In uh, Luke chapter eleven, verse nineteen. This is uh, Jesus again saying this is now if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your followers drive them out? So then they will be they will be your judges. But if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. In other words, Jesus saying is that when you see the miracles, when you see what I'm doing, that means the kingdom of God has come. He's not saying the kingdom of God is going to come or is going to come later or get ready because it's about to come. He's saying, hey, when you see this happening, when you see a display of the power of God, a display of the gospel being lived out, being preached, then the kingdom of God has come. And look at Luke chapter 17 and verse 20 to 21. I think some of us are familiar with this passage. It says, once I'm being asked by the Pharisees, and we all, I think we, we all most understand who the Pharisees were. They're kind of the bad guys of the story, right? These are, these are the religious leaders that oppose Jesus. It says, once I'm being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come. So they actually had this question. Jesus replied, the, king, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. In other words, what you're understanding as a kingdom, as something physical or as a place, says you're not going to see it that way because it's really already here. It's around you. It's in your midst. It's embodied in the people that you see around you. And in Mark chapter 9, in verse verse 1, he says, "And, And he said to them, Truly I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God has come with power. So when we talk about the kingdom of God, we're talking about something that's here, but it's not yet. In other words, it's, it's being revealed, and it's revealed, and it was revealed in the life of Jesus, and we're going to see a little bit more what it, what it means when it comes, comes with power. But it's also something that comes in waves, also something that continues to come until it's fully revealed in new creation, until it's fully revealed when Jesus returns, Amen. So what is he talking about when the kingdom of God has come with power? You know, a lot of times what we've uh, done is we've equated this to Pentecost. And to say, well, Pentecost, it was a really powerful situation. The tongues of fire came down and, you know, all these people started speaking languages uh, and and it was it was amazing. And, And that's the moment when the kingdom of God came. But that's a little bit difficult to understand if you read the passage we just read that say, hey, the kingdom of God is here, or the kingdom of God is in your midst, or the, the kingdom of God is among you, or anytime time you see this, the kingdom of God has come. Right. But what Jesus is talking about is this wave of power that's going to reveal the inbreaking of the reign of God. Because when we talk about the kingdom of God, we're talking about the reign of God. We're talking about God's reign. We're talking about the, 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 the reign of Jesus, of Christ. That's going to be fully revealed once all this is renewed. Once we have the new heaven and the new earth. So when is, what is the most powerful event that showed the inbreaking of the kingdom of God in, uh, on, on, into this earth, into humanity? It's the resurrection of Jesus. It's the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. is that incredible example of love that... Has given us now an opportunity to be part of God's reign, Amen. And so that's why He can say very easily to them, "Hey, listen! Some who are standing here will not taste death before you see this display of power of the of God's reign breaking in, in the resurrection, in the in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus." So, okay, well, what does it, you know, Raphael? What does this mean for the church then? Because, you know, when, we, when I thought, okay, the kingdom and the church, they're, they're, they're equal, they're synonymous. That made me feel really good. You know, I felt super special. You know, because like, man, the kingdom of God is a church. And wow, and I'm in it and pretty cool. And that means a lot of people are out, but I'm in. You know, so I'm in the kingdom and those that are not, they're out of the kingdom. And those that are a little bit confused, they're probably not in the kingdom. But I don't want to say, but they might be, they might not. But I know I am. And now you're saying that, wait, it's come, and it's come in waves, and, and it's revealed, but it's not fully revealed. And, and what does that mean for the church? And what is the church? This is the church. The church is the redeemed community of God. I think that's pretty awesome, isn't it? The church is an outpost of the kingdom of God. It, it, it is, it's, it's a mission of the kingdom of God. You know, it's a colony of the kingdom of God. In other words, as the church, we are living out God's reign in the midst of the world around us. The church is the embodiment of kingdom life and values. The church is the hope for the salvation of all nations. I think that's pretty important. What do you think? I think it's crucial. The church is the family of God. And yes, the church is the, the, a part of the kingdom of God, but it, it's, it's not synonymous. It's much more than that. Have you ever said, uh, heard anyone say this? The kingdom is awesome. Now, how many of you would agree with that? Okay, some do, some don't. The kingdom is awesome. The kingdom is amazing. But sometimes when we say the kingdom is awesome, you know what we're saying? The church is awesome. The kingdom is awesome. The church is awesome. You know what's the problem with that? Is sometimes the church is not awesome. But you know what? The kingdom is always awesome. Amen? I mean, the reign of God is always awesome. It's tremendous. It's great. And so for some of us that we think, you know, okay, the, the kingdom of God is a church. Well, if, if you're doing awesome, if you're like Noah, you're thinking, this is amazing. This is great. I mean, the kingdom of God is awesome. I love the church. But someone hurts your feelings. Something goes wrong. You know, a, a, a sinner sins. Then we're like, oh, I guess it wasn't the kingdom after all. I thought it was, but it wasn't. Because I think what we've done is we've tried to instrumentalize the scriptures in the Bible, kind of part of modernity. It's not really anybody's fault. And not necessarily, this is not an issue of of salvation in a sense, but it's an issue of what we see God and how we view God and what is awesome in our sights. And yes, the reign of God is awesome. It's huge, it's, it's, even when I'm explaining it, some of you guys are looking at me with this puzzled look, like, because you're trying, you know, you're trying to understand it, why? Because it's awesome! Awesome stuff is a little bit difficult to explain. But what does this mean? It means it's not merely a place, or even merely a realm, it's God's reign that implies values, commitments. And a perspective different than the world. It means something for the poor. It means something for the powerless. It means something about salvation. It means something about righteousness. And yes, the kingdom of God is awesome. It's amazing. It's bigger. And yes, it's not equal. The church is not equal, but the church should be a part of that kingdom. We should desire that the church be an embodiment of the kingdom of God. It's like Congress. Congress is not the nation, but Congress represents the nation. But it's not the nation. And so the church is not the entirety of the kingdom of God, but we represent the kingdom of God. We represent the reign of God. Amen? You know, this is a very important prayer in the Bible if you go to the next passage. And this is what many people know as the Lord's Prayer. And he says, you know, in, in Luke chapter 11, verse 2, he says, he said to them, when you pray, say, Father... Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. And then, uh, in, in some of the translations, you see uh, what's included into Septuagint, uh, or in one of the translations, which is, uh, your will be done on earth as is in heaven. And so, you know, you say that prayer that well, we you know that prayer is it's awesome, but it was only for before Pentecost, because after Pentecost, the kingdom already came. So you don't have to pray for the kingdom. You can say, thank, thank you, God, that the kingdom came. So, so when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. So glad your kingdom came. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus said, say, you know, pray this until the kingdom comes, then you have to have to change the prayer a little bit. He says, no, you've got to pray for the kingdom to come. What does that mean? You've got to pray for God's reign to come. We've got to continue to pray for God's reign to come into our homes. Don't you want God to reign in your home? And so that's a prayer. God, please reign in my home. Don't we need to continue to pray for God's reign to, to come into our neighborhoods? For God's reign to come into our schools? For God's reign to come into our work? Into trouble? Into hardship? Into pain? Into pain? Until one day we will be in that place where there is no pain, where there are no, are no tears, where there is no death. See, the kingdom is here, but it's not yet. It's not totally fully revealed. It's broken in to the present. It's below and above, is living by the values of God's heavenly reign. Amen? Amen. We'll say more about this in the future, but hopefully, at least that, that has your, your mind rolling a little bit. So we're talking about desiring the kingdom. Desiring the kingdom. And then we look at this parable. This is really uh, an amazing parable. And it is one of my favorite parables in all the Bible. It says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. It says, when a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. You know, I love that. It talks about this man who, who finds his treasure. And it's, I, I love this, because it says, And in his joy, he went and sold all he had and bought the field. Yeah. If you go to the next slide. What is, what is the point of this passage? What is the point of this parable? It's, it's really teaching a bigger truth. It's that the kingdom of God is so valuable... That losing everything on earth, but getting the kingdom, is a happy trade-off. You the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is so valuable. It's so important that you losing everything, you lose it joyfully. You say, you know what, I'll give this up. I mean, what do I need to give up? Do you have something that is more valuable than anything else in your life or some things? I think we do, right? All of us that are parents that have children. I think, you know, we'd gladly sell everything for our children. Right? I, I hope. I hope so. Some of us, well, it depends what you're talking about. And which, which child? But it's so valuable that losing everything on earth but getting the kingdom is a happy trade-off. Right. You know, so we talk about desiring the kingdom. That means that, that we are turning our attention to God where we desire what's most valuable most of all. Because our attention, when it's dragged out by the world, makes us desire what is least valuable most of all. And our priorities get totally out of whack because we begin to desire all those things that are least valuable, but we desire them most of all. We give them most of our attention. We give them most of our time. We dedicate more to them. We are more worried about those things. You know, if something happens to those things, we're, 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 we're kind of, we get stressed out and, and, and we're worried, we're, we're, we're perplexed. But when we understand, hey, you know what? What God has his reign is so much more valuable that I'll gladly give anything else up. I remember when we uh, used to meet for our our, uh, midweeks down in downtown Los Angeles at uh, the Hyatt in downtown on 7th and Hope. And, uh, you know, uh, right now, I think downtown is a little bit nicer. Uh, Back then, it was a little bit sketchy. Actually, it was pretty sketchy, pretty sketchy. But, you know, there we went with all our kids and all our families, and we went to 7th and Hope to have midweeks every Wednesday night. And so uh, the Villa Gomez, uh, you know, had just moved from Hawaii to come to the church over here in Los Angeles, and they were part of the Spanish ministry, and they drove their green car to downtown on 7th and Hope, one of those first weeks they were with us, to come to a midweek service in downtown, in sketchy downtown Los Angeles, and they parked their, their car near 8th and Hope, Then then they walked over to 7th and Hope, and when they walked out and went to 8th and Hope, they had no hope, there was nothing there. <laughs> And, 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 and I remember I was so, like, concerned, for you know, like, oh, man, they just moved from Hawaii to Los Angeles. And, you know, we brought him into our ministry. We brought him in. We're so excited. Come to our church service. first One of the first things that happens when they come to church, their car gets stolen. <laughs> and, and I'm thinking, man, what are they going to be thinking about our church? What are they going to be thinking about us? Like, why are you going to think I need to go to another ministry or something? And you know what's amazing is when I, when I talked to them, they were just so, like, Oh, don't worry about it, bro. If you guys no Angie, don't worry, bro. You know, that's just a car. It's not that important. But we were at church. And if you talk to the Eugomas today, they're the, I mean, that's the same attitude and same heart and same spirit that, that they have. You know, but for some of us, when we're, our value of the things are above what God values, something happens. It affects our even to the level of shaking us in our salvation. Something happens with something material, and we're like, oh, you know, you know, maybe God doesn't exist, and maybe, you know, you know, I shouldn't be a disciple, and all these other things, right? You know, I remember a week after I was, uh, I was baptized, I was just, I I was just like Noah. I mean, so excited about what God had done in my life. I studied the Bible in a week. I got baptized on a Wednesday night, late at night. I don't remember who was there. I was there, and the person that baptized me, that's all that mattered. And, uh. And I, I was just so excited. And so one of those days, uh, two days later, I was going to band practice uh, down in the intramural field, uh, walking down uh, Bruin Walk at UCLA, right next to the stadium, and uh, I run into this uh, friend of mine whose name is Hansel. And, and Hansel comes up to me, and he says, hey, you know, so here I am, happy-go-lucky, walking down, you know, the hill, going to, band, you know, band practice, and you know, and, and, and the whole thing, and, and Hansel comes up to me, and I'm happy-go-lucky, but Hansel does not look happy-go-lucky, and he, he comes to me, he's like, hey, Ralph, he said, hey, I heard, uh, I'm really worried about you, <laughs> so I was like, man, what's going on, he goes, I heard, I heard you joined this church, and you know, I studied the Bible with that church, and that church, that church is a cult, you know, what? were you getting into, you know, you know, you should not do it. I mean, I'm really scared to, for you. I'm really worried about you. And I'm just sitting there. I'm happy-go-lucky, you know. I'm, I'm going, you know, I'm just so excited. And I'm just looking at him, just smiling. And, and he just finished talking, and he was, he was really concerned. I mean, I really felt for the guy. I mean, I'm, I think he was, had good intentions. And, uh, and I said, Hansel, I said, Hansel, do you have anything better to offer me? I said, because what I found is pretty awesome. And if you don't have anything better to offer me, then you really shouldn't try to get me out of it. So you really shouldn't be worried about me. But, you know, I, you know, and I was just, I didn't know much about the Bible. I didn't say what well, the Bible says about. I just said, hey, what you got? And he had nothing. But I I ask myself, for some of us, will you find something more valuable than the kingdom of God? Will you find something that you will not be willing to joyfully give up for the kingdom of heaven? You know, we look at the scripture, it says the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in the field when a man found it. And then again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. So one of them found it, one of them was looking for it, one of them wasn't looking for it. And maybe that's how you came to church, or or you came to know God. You weren't looking, just someone, you know, happened to reach out to you. But for some of us, we were looking, we were searching. And we found something of extreme value. What does that mean for us? If you go to the next uh, slide. It means that you and I are the sent people of God. That we participate in redeeming all nations. That we embody the gathering of all nations. And if you look around, this is the gathering of all nations. Amen. And we proclaim the kingdom of God until he comes. That's who we are. That's what we do. The next slide. What does that mean? It means that we embody kingdom values. That means that you and I now value what Jesus values. He's our king. We don't value what the world values. We value what Jesus values. What does that mean? That we value righteousness. The world might not value righteousness, but we value righteousness. We value the healing of the sick. We value advocating for the powerless. We value welcoming the foreigner and stranger. We value serving the poor and needy. We value being a light to the world. We value loving as Jesus did. We value what Jesus valued. Not what's religious. We value what Jesus valued. We value baptism. We value a a new life. We value living the baptized life. What's important to him is important to us. If community is important to him, community is important to us. You know, we were driving here uh, to church on the 210, and uh, we saw uh, on the the 210 up on one of the overpasses a sign in red that says, uh, you will never walk alone. And that's, you know, the motto for, or the mantra for Liverpool Soccer team that just won the Champions League. And, but I saw it and I was like, I, that's a message for God, for me, you know? You will, you'll never walk alone. You know, God has given us this community, this, this, uh, his church that is so important to him, his family. And so we will never walk alone. And I wonder if we value what Jesus values, if we value what God values. You know, we've been, if we go to the next slide, we've been having some awesome midweeks on hospitality. And the last midweek, we have about six hundred and four members, and I believe we had about three hundred and eighty something people at midweek. So I'm talking about you know the Villa Gomez going to church and sketching downtown Los Angeles with their kids and their green car, who they never, which they never saw again afterwards. Yeah, yeah. And then we fast forward. And we're in Glendale in a really nice place in a really nice neighborhood with really cushy seats. Right, right. And about half the people don't come because right. I don't know what. And so I wonder if we value, we still value what God values. If we still value what Jesus values. Because now it's, you know, for some reason or another, some of, some of us might miss. But if you're just kind of sitting there Wednesday night like, well, should I go? Should I not go? It's like, oh, man, you know, my kids, and and I got this, and I got that. And it's like, well, I hope they have an awesome service. I hope they live stream it. Do you value what God values? To the point that you'll get in your car and you'll drive over here, and yeah, maybe your car will get stolen, but at least you were at church. Amen? (laughs) You know, we go to the next slide. I think we've all seen this movie, right? <laughs> Men in Black. Yeah. And uh, the whole the whole premise of the movie is that there, there is a community of extraterrestrials that are living among us. And they're living among us, but they nobody knows that they're living among us, but they are among us. And, uh, you know, when I first saw this movie, I, I thought a couple of things. One of them was like, whoa, what a cool f- concept. But the second thing I thought is like, I've actually had this thought before, and if you can go to the next slide, this is this is my resident alien card, and uh, I was born in Mexico and my parents immigrated here when I was five years old, so 1975, and so I became a permanent resident, but I was a permanent resident alien. living amongst the real residents <laughs> as a resident alien i was here but i was not from here you know what i'm saying i'm from another world otherworldly now i became a citizen later because i went on a trip and uh, you know and they, i realized there's some perks and i need to become a citizen but but I was, for a while there, I was a resident alien. I was, I was like men in black. I mean, I was right here. There was, I was living here, but not really here. First Peter chapter 2, verse 11 and 12 says, Beloved, I urge you as aliens and exiles to abstain from the desires of the flesh that wage war against the soul. Conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles so that though they malign you as evildoers, they may see your honorable deeds and glorify God when he comes to judge. You know, what's the last thing we need to live as aliens and strangers in this world? Our primary loyalty is to the kingdom of God. That, what that means is we're going to be in contrast to a lot of things in the world. There are some things that the world is loyal to or that are a city or town or, or state or country is loyal to that we're just not. Because our primary loyalty is to the kingdom of God. Because we live as aliens and strangers in the world. Right. And so the question this morning is very simple. Is What do you desire most? Would you joyfully sell everything you have to buy that field that contains that treasure? Which is the kingdom, the reign Come of God. I hope we all desire... God's kingdom. Amen. Should we just pray? Alright, I think we're going to pray.